Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Welcome to Galaxy Digital Conference Call. Today's call is being recorded. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Following formal remarks, we will conduct a question and answer session. Webcast participants can submit a question online directly through the webcast. At this time, I would like to turn the conference over to the Investor Relations Team. Please go ahead. Good morning and welcome to Galaxy Digital Shareholder Update Conference Call. We're joined today by our founder and CEO, Mike Novogratz, President Chris Ferraro, and Chief Financial Officer, Ash Prithapal. Before we begin, please note that our remarks today may include forward-looking statements. Actual results may differ material, materially from those indicated or implied by our forward-looking statements as a result of various factors, including those identified in our filings with the Canadian Securities Regulatory Authorities on CEDAR and available on our website. Forward-looking statements speak only as of today and will not be updated. In addition, none of the information on this call constitutes a recommendation, solicitation, or offer by Galaxy Digital or its affiliates to buy or sell any securities, including Galaxy Digital Securities. With that, I'll now turn it over to Mike Novogratz. Good morning, everyone. Actually, let me pick up the phone. Good morning, everyone. Um, you know, very different tone uh, today than I've had on probably the last eight of these calls. You know, we started Galaxy uh, two, three years ago, you know, with uh, this idea that we'd be the bridge between institutional investors and the crypto community. And, you know, with hindsight, we were a little early, uh, and we waited and we waited. Uh, and finally, you know, the rain has come. Uh, and the, the world could not look more different today than it did six months ago for our company and for the whole crypto business. Uh, you know, COVID in, in many ways was horrible for the world and continues to be horrible for the world as we see it kind of exploding back everywhere in the U.S. Uh, but what it was really uh, an accelerant for the crypto uh, cryptocurrency business, for Bitcoin, for blockchain, for everything that we do. Uh, and so since April, you know, we've changed our tact uh, from – having been cautious to having been to becoming very aggressive. Uh, I see an unbelievable opportunity for our company and for the space. Uh, you know, Bitcoin is trading 16,300. Uh, it's trading like that, not because there's a speculative mania going on. It's trading like that because institutions, hedge funds, high net worth, uh, high net worth individuals, family offices are all moving into Bitcoin. Uh, they're moving in as a store of wealth. They're moving in as an inflation hedge. Uh, they're moving in because it's become an institutional asset. And so our thesis that we would be this bridge between the institutional world and crypto world is finally playing out. Um, you know, what are we doing about it? Uh, we've brought in Damian Vanderbilt uh, to be a co-president. He's a five-year partner at Goldman Sachs. We brought in Michael Ash to help us run investment banking. Uh, we brought in, just announced today, uh, two, two uh, acquisitions, which I look, really look at as aqua hires. Uh, for talent and for technology, you know, Drawbridge Lending with Jason Urban and Blue Fire with Andrew Karos. Uh, we brought Amanda Fabiano in uh, to build a mining business. Uh, and we're hiring. We've got a help wanted sign out there uh, 
at 107 grand here in Soho. Um, and so I couldn't be more excited. I think the opportunity is real. Um, it's not going away. Uh, and I don't think this is a flash in the pan. You know, in 2017, we had this speculative mania we were all worried about. Uh, this is very, very different. You know, when PayPal announced they were getting into the business, that's 320 million accounts. Uh, it sent a, a shockwave across all financial institutions that said, we need to be in this business. And since then, we've had almost every financial institution we know either you know, reach out or, or reach out to people we know how they're going to get engaged in this space. And so uh, this is kind of the first inning for the institutionalization of crypto. Uh, and we think we're really well prepared for it. You know, we've built a tremendous amount of domain expertise amongst our businesses. Uh, we know the game. Uh, you know, we, we know how it works. Uh, we think we know where it's going. And so I'm going to leave the details to Chris to, to kind of take you through our earnings. We had a good quarter. Uh, we're having a better quarter uh, in the fourth quarter, as you can imagine, with, you know, crypto prices going higher and all the activity. Um, but want to really be, be clear that we are in growth mode. Uh, we see blue skies ahead and couldn't be more excited for the business. Thanks, Mike. Chris? Um, yep, thanks, Mike. Um, hey, look, so Gauss Digital has had, we've had the most active six months in our history, um, and certainly this past week has been no exception. Um, we closed on our $50 million pipe financing with a great roster of institutional investors, including SlatePath, CI, Corriente, and the NZ funds. Um, and we also, and uh, and as we also announced this morning, we took a critical step forward with the acquisitions of uh, Drawbridge Lending and Blue Fire Capital. I'll walk through our strategic rationale for these acquisitions momentarily, but first uh, uh, let me share what we're seeing in the market that's motivating our decision to continue to reinvest behind our leadership position in the space. As Mike mentioned, 2020 has been the turning point for crypto. Uh, institutions of every kind are publicly discovering and advocating for crypto not just as a new digital payment rail or as the, the new decentralized supercomputer, but also as a low correlated asset within a broader investment portfolio. These institutions now publicly include some of the largest global multi-asset investment funds, fintech giants, Facebook, PayPal, Square, corporate treasuries, and global central bankers now giving serious consideration to digitally native issued currency. We're incredibly excited about what's happening in our sector. And so as we go through these results uh, and our strategic considerations going forward, this high conviction moment among both crypto practitioners as well as new institutions entering our community should resonate hopefully as a common driver underlying our results, our hiring plans, and our growth decisions. Uh, as Mike mentioned, in Q3, Galaxy reported a comprehensive income of $44.6 which added to the prior period profitability uh, leads us to $55.4 of total comprehensive income for the year-to-date period, and that's through September 30th. Um, this reflects year-over-year -year revenue growth in Q3 uh, 2020 versus Q3 2019 across each one of our operating business lines, as well as net realized and unrealized gains from digital assets and our investing activities, which also this quarter included a partial realization on our stake in BlockFi, which successfully completed its Series C financing this quarter in a significant upround from our last investment uh, after continuing to demonstrate phenomenal growth. Another congrats to Zach, Flory, and the entire BlockFi team. Now turning to our business units, um, in our trading business, we continue to win market share and grow our client and counterparty-focused derivatives and electronic trading activities, resulting in our OTC trading desk facilitating over $1.4 billion of quarterly volume, amounting to our largest quarter in our operating history. Q3 OTC volumes represented 28% sequential quarter-over-quarter -quarter growth over Q2 2020, 
and over 75% compared to last year's Q3. Galaxy's continued growth in market share is a result of being one of our being one of the go-to training desks in crypto, able to address the bespoke needs of sophisticated institutions looking for a large audited trading partner. To that end, Drawbridge Lending and Bluefire Capital represent important acquisitions for Galaxy Digital Trading that slot easily and efficiently into our leading GDT platform by amplifying our advantages, filling gaps in our current offerings, and securing additional best-in-class talent. Let me take a moment now to explain the strategic rationale behind these deals and what trading at Galaxy will look like in the months to come. Drawbridge is an innovator in digital asset lending, borrowing, and structured products, while Bluefire is a technology-driven proprietary trading firm specializing in market-making and two-sided liquidity for digital assets. Both firms are located in Chicago and led by seasoned market veterans. The primary benefits to Galaxy Digital these transactions to us are clear. First, this combination further expands trading's activities beyond just our current OTC offering and allows us to accelerate towards our goal of providing a full-service single-dealer platform to the market, including expanded derivative and future trading, on-exchange market making, lending, borrowing, structured products, as well as prime brokerage-like services, including trade execution, clearing and settlement, and margin-based trade financing. Second, Galaxy Digital intends to leverage our brand, institutional relationships, and our publicly audited balance sheet towards scaling Drawbridge's suite of unique lending and structured product offerings. It's important to note here that we've already been in business with Drawbridge for some time, and we know the team very well. We made an investment into them in 2019 and have built a growing live loan book together, which we intend to expand growing forward as a result of this transaction. Next, we intend to point Galaxy's broad sources of liquidity toward Bluefire's best-in-class trading strategies and execution while further enhancing their superior relationships with key global crypto exchanges that arise out of their $40-plus billion of annual notional spot and derivative trading volume. We expect Bluefire to help us drive the utilization and optimization of our balance sheet, as well as drive trading costs down across the entire platform, which can then in turn be passed on to our clients uh, to provide lowest-cost execution and highly efficient financing options. Organizationally, these deals establish a strong regional hub in Chicago for Galaxy Digital to expand agency, prime brokerage, and electronic trading services, and to increase connectivity with the largest global exchange players and traditional derivatives firms as they look to move into the crypto markets with Galaxy as a blue chip partner. Finally, Drawbridge's CEO and co-founder Jason Urban will join Galaxy Digital as co-head of Galaxy Digital Trading and will work alongside fellow co-head Pete Wisniewski. Andrew Karos will remain the CEO of Bluefire, which will continue to operate as a wholly-owned subsidiary of Galaxy. Jason and Andrew are both veteran traders, with Jason having run significant businesses at both Goldman Sachs and DRW, and Andrew having built his own firm with a decade-plus-long successful traditional equity derivative trading track record prior to turning his attention to crypto in 2018. But beyond Jason and Andrew, we're very excited about the addition of the entire Drawbridge and Bluefire teams to the Galaxy family. These additions will increase our resources in the trading business by over 50%, an important strategic move necessary for us to meet real on-the-ground demand head-on today. Turning to the asset management business, the second quarter of 2020 has continued to see heightened market demand for Bitcoin and other major cryptocurrencies against the backdrop of excessive global monetary stimulus on the one hand and major investors, corporates, and regulators increasingly expressing their conviction in the long-term prospects of Bitcoin as a store of value on the other. We have built our strategy around institutional wealth channels and accredited investors and are seeing promising initial traction as our brand marketing, investor education, and partner sales channels begin to amplify one another. As of October 31, our passive index in Bitcoin funds crossed $120 million of AUM and is growing fast. 
Also, in the third quarter, our Galaxy Interactive Venture Capital team, who manages the Galaxy EOS VC fund within asset management, continue to expand their leadership role in the interactive content space and up the pace of their investing over the second quarter with nine new investments and four follow-on investments. Turning to Galaxy Digital Investment Banking, which has continued to build its pipeline of mandates and to deliver first-class execution to clients, including representing Blockfolio in its $150 million sale to FTX. As we communicated on our last call, we were committed to managing the leadership transition in this group before the end of the year, and we have succeeded in doing so. In the past several weeks, we've brought on a new head of investment banking, Michael Ash, who has previously built multiple industry-focused businesses before at both Citi and Oppenheimer. We are also excited to launch Galaxy Digital Mining, which has come out of the hard work of the advisory team over the past year and will now be led by another new addition to Galaxy, Amanda Fabiano. Amanda was at Fidelity Investments for the past six years focused on mining, Bitcoin products, and Bitcoin education. I've now personally had the pleasure of working with both Michael and Amanda for the past few weeks, and I'm confident that we have found the two best individuals to fill these roles. I'm very excited to see what both of these teams are going to accomplish here at Galaxy in 2021. Finally, in terms of our firm balance sheet and our principal investment activities, our team has continued to pursue differentiated new opportunities. The team invested $7.5 million of total new capital in six new and four follow-on investments in the third quarter, including in two of the most prominent DeFi or decentralized finance investment funds in the sector, Terrify Capital and Robot Ventures. With that, I'll turn it over to Ash to walk everyone through the specifics of our financial performance in the third quarter. Ash? Thanks, Chris. I will provide some additional details regarding our financial results for the quarter. Our comprehensive income for the three months ended September 30th totaled $44.6 billion, with a comprehensive income for the nine months amounting $55.4 million. The current quarterly gain was primarily a result of realized and unrealized gains on digital assets and on investments, partially offset by operating expenses. The fourth quarter 2020 figure includes $3.3 million of equity-based compensation expense, which is a non-cash charge and has no net effect on equity. This brings our total equity, or net book value, to $445.6 million as of September 30th, or $2.05 of net book value per share Canadian, or $1.54 of net book value per share U.S. As of September 30th, the number of compensatory cost per units and stock options outstanding were 17.2 million and 21.4 million respectively. The aggregate compensatory awards have a value of $8.1 million remaining to be amortized over their life. Operating expenses for the three months ended September 30th were $17 million inclusive of equity-based compensation of $3.3 million over the same period. Operating expenses were lower for the three and nine months ended September 30th, 2020, as compared to the three and nine months ended September 30th, 2019, due primarily to lower equity-based compensation and lower compensation expense in 2020. Regarding our balance sheet, $7.5 million of new and follow-on investments during the third quarter brought the investment balance to $200.7 million. As of September 30th, we held 45 individual investment positions, excluding our cryptocurrency and pre-ICO holdings with no single investment position representing more than 6.6% of our net asset value. In regards to the drawbridge lending and blue fire capital acquisitions, the consideration includes 3.8 million of ordinary shares 
subject to customary purchase price adjustment, and the company intends to grant 5 million contingent options to certain employees joining the company as incentives and retention awards. We're pleased to report that we had $144 million of liquidity as of quarter end. Our liquidity includes our working capital and net digital assets, which is then netted against forward commitments and projected future expenses. Our current liquidity is ample and will allow us to continue to operate the business and take advantage of market opportunities. With that, I'll now turn the call back to the operator so we can address questions from our equity analysts and investors. Operator, any questions from our equity analysts? Yes, thank you. We have a question from Deepak Kushal with Stifel GMP. Deepak, you may proceed. Go ahead, we can hear you. Oh, excellent. Uh, thanks for taking my questions. Um, nice to have a, a, a positive backdrop in crypto space with your conference call. Um, just wanted to jump in um, on the acquisitions. Um, looks like you, you're paying shares and options for the acquisitions and there's no cash portion. So I assume you guys still have you know, the, the full $50 million pipe financing at your disposal. What are the plans uh, for spending? How do you kind of carve that up into the different parts of your strategy and, and um, what can we look forward to there? Sure, let me take that, Mike. Yeah, take that, Chris. Yeah. So the, um, the you, you you're accurate in terms of the um, in terms of the uh, purchase consideration for the acquisitions um, and and therefore the the pipe financing um, was all primary capital that that's being added to the balance sheet. Um, that 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 capital um, primarily will will go towards um, towards uh, financing uh, different businesses inside the training business. Uh, um, as well as um, helping to launch and start up and add financing to the mining business as well. And so um, when you think about us expanding uh, our structured product offering, uh, expanding our uh, financing of customer trades and trading uh, and margin-based financing and things like that, all, all as well as um, uh, adding capital to the existing trading strategies of Bluefire, um, you should think about that as the primary use of proceeds for the uh, for the pipe. Okay, and on on, on um, the acquisitions, um, Blue Fire and Drawbridge, um, what can we think of in terms of the financial impact? I mean, can you share any any of the the income and profitability metrics that these guys have been pulling in, and the growth rates, and and how you might accelerate that going forward? Any kind of impact, any kind of color on potential financial impacts here would be helpful. Yeah, sure. So we're, we're, the 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 we'll 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 talk we'll speak to and report uh, and report sort of uh, the, their performances going forward in time. Right now, we're focused on um, on adding them and integrating them into our existing business quite quickly. Um, and so the uh, you know so some of the some of the specifics that that we disclosed we could talk to is. On the on the drawbridge side, they they bring over 150 million dollars of third-party assets that are being managed in various products and forms to the platform on day one, um, uh, and and in fact they've been they've been a, a part of a driver of our our existing book as well um, uh, over the last year as we've partnered with them on 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 adding different financing uh, assets onto our balance sheet. 
Um, and on the Blue Fire side, uh, you know, Blue Fire is one of the largest uh, global market makers um, on exchange. Um, they've done run rate basis trade over $40 billion notional uh, annually of crypto. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, you, you should, we should, you should think about that going forward as being a, 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 an engine that's going to generate consistent, uh, consistent high alpha return on equity sort of based on the amount of capital we, we, we put behind the business. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're, we expect at both of these to be added, additive to the business and accretive, uh, from an M&A perspective, um, over the, over the, an 18 month period on the high end. Uh, on the long end, and so, um, but we're going to sort of integrate them and see how they how it how it fits into the business going forward. Hey, Deepak, it's Mike here. Uh, the one thing I would would tell you is that in some ways, in, in the way I look at these things, these are aqua hires of really really talented guys um, at a time when the business is starting to explode. And so, you know, you look at Andrews's engine that he's built, uh, plugging our capital and, and plugging it into some of the systems that we already have, and think, if, you know, listen. If, if, it might be 18 months, it might be 12 months, it might be six months based on the amount of volume that's pumping through these markets all of a sudden. And I don't think it's going to go away. Uh, same thing with the, the derivative business uh, that Jason Urban is bringing over in the lending business. Uh, demand is going way up. I mean, we're having a hard time hiring people fast enough to, to, uh, to build out. Listen, there's competition as well, right? Our competitors are doing the same thing. And so uh, what's exciting from my perspective is you know, we were in a very nascent industry, uh, and it still is, but now you're pretty certain that there are going to be, you know, multiple players that are building out real teams, and, you know, this is going to be a real business. Uh, and so, in lots of ways, uh, our business plan has been de-risked. The, you know, the Bitcoin ecosystem has been de-risked. Uh, and so, that volatility in, in, in kind of life comes down, Right, you know, there's no existential threat all of a sudden uh, that you made the wrong bet, that it's going to take too long, that the regulators are going to screw you, and so now it's really a race to to get the right people in the right seats uh, and to really start kind of looking six, twelve, eighteen, twenty-four months ahead at where the ball is going, and so I, you know, I'm I'm wary of per, uh, of past performance predicting future performance in this case because I think future performance could be a heck of a lot better than past performance. Thanks, Mike. That's really helpful. You know, you mentioned existential threats. I mean, how do you look at the DeFi space right now in terms of existential threats? I know you put some money into Parify um, yeah, listen, and Robot. It, like, why not do that in-house? And... Well, we're doing a lot of that in-house. And I think uh, come next earnings call, I think our, we'll, we'll roll out more of our DeFi plan uh, and how we see DeFi. I mean, DeFi is a funny word, really. What DeFi really is is we're taking a blockchain to the financial services industry. And it is by far the biggest threat to the banking system. Um, it's just early, right? It's a sandbox still. And now it's a growing sandbox, right? It's gone from 500 billion locked up to 12 billion, 500 million to 12 billion. Uh, but we're still in, in I call it the sandbox stage. Uh, and so we've got some of our smartest guys in the firm uh, working at making investments in that space and, and really structuring on how we, we participate in the space. Uh, and I think you know, 2021, certainly in 2022, it's going to be a big, it's going to be a big drive, driver of, of things around here. Um, mm -hmm. But right now, we're, we're still in that kind of, I, I'd say, first inning DeFi. Got it. So I'm curious, so if we have a kind of a boom and bust cycle with DeFi like we saw in ICOs, do you think that the Bitcoin and, and mature cryptocurrency market 
be insulated from that? Like, do you think we've, we've passed that stage where everything is kind of correlated to a single event? I do think so. I would, I would split it into three buckets. I would talk about Bitcoin as a macro asset. You know, it's almost a, a cottage industry these days uh, uh, that I think has, has reached escape velocity. And, you know, we're trading at 16,000 today. It would be surprising to me if we don't take the old highs out relatively soon. And, you know, people say, well, where can Bitcoin go? Listen, at, at, at 60,000 Bitcoin, we're only 10% of gold. Right? JP Morgan just put out a paper talking about Bitcoin as an alternative to gold, and they're seeing clients want to make the substitute. And so I'm not even sure why 10% is a great bogey. I picked that, that out. Uh, in five years, 10 years, we're going to be looking back and saying, well, Bitcoin's worth more than gold. And so this is a multi-year process uh, of adoption in Bitcoin, but I really believe we've uh, crossed escape velocity. And then when you look at everything else, right, the Ethereum blockchain, right, if the price of Ethereum is going higher, I think it will continue to go higher. Uh, the Ethereum blockchain is most likely the blockchain that everything else gets built on. So where DeFi will reside, where stable coins will reside. Uh, central bank issued digital currencies are going to be a thing. Every single central bank is talking about them, trying to figure out, including the U.S., including Europe, including Brazil. And so we're going to see a rebuilding of the financial architecture of the, the U.S. and of the world over the next 10, 10 years, 10 to 15 years, 5 to 15 years. And blockchain is going to be a monster part of it. And these, these you know, the, the Ethereum ecosystem and, and these projects being built on top of that. And so I kind of look at Ethereum with payments as kind of, Chapter two, but it's really correlated then to all these new, new projects. Which you know, if you want to think about DeFi. It's peer-to-peer -peer, uh, derivatives, peer-to-peer -peer, interest rate trading, peer-to-peer -peer futures trading, peer-to-peer -peer equity trading, and you know, listen. There's a regulatory hurdle to go through that's not been worked out, uh, and so the regulators have to kind of catch up to the technology. The technology's got to fit itself into a regulatory framework. Uh, I'm confident that'll happen over the next few years. Uh, and so I, I split my mind, you know, like half of our business is kind of focused on this uh, opportunity that's here today, which is this Bitcoin really becoming a, a, global, a global asset. Uh, you know, one day, if you're lucky, it's the global reserve currency, uh, but really becoming a global asset. Uh, and the second is this giant venture bet, which is wildly exciting where we're going to see uh, a real rebuilding of the financial services business. Uh, in a, in a few years, you know, DeFi and FinTech, you'll just call it FinTech. Uh, you know, and so uh, I think in some ways there are two businesses that are very, you know, interconnected, but you can think of them almost as two, two real drivers. And so that's the way I think about it. Uh, and I think, listen, there's, there's going to be great opportunities on both sides. Got it. Got it. And so when I turn focus back onto your operating business, I know you've got, you know, good success on your principal book. Uh, year to date. Um, what are your thoughts then on on reaching break even on the operating side, and when you kind of get ex exit velocity in terms of um, profitable growth there? Um, any changes now that the market's a bit hotter? Yeah, listen, I, I will be disappointed if we don't uh, do that next year, um, and then some. Right? The the banking business uh, should be close, or might even make it this year. Uh, trading, we put a big investment in, and it hasn't gotten there yet. Uh, you know, it has certainly if you include our proprietary trading. Uh, but I think by next year, we certainly should have, uh, you know, crossed that threshold. Asset management will be the one that will take a little longer. 
partly because you know it's a it's a game of uh, you know big numbers and you're putting putting an investment in you, you, you need scale there and so we're getting there you know our asset management business is finally picking up listen we took a track of going for the wealth channels uh, they're finally moving in uh, and so I I'm optimistic we've got lots of partnerships uh, that we are working on some that have been announced some that are coming and so I think, you know, give us some patience on the asset management side, but, you know, you put the three together, and I would certainly hope that we're operating uh, at, a, at a profit next year on an operating basis. Okay, excellent. Well, you know, I, I don't want to dominate the call. I don't know how many other analysts are in the wing, so I'm going to jump back in the queue, and then um, if there's, you know, more questions later, then, then I'll jump back in. Thanks again. Thanks, Deepak. Awesome. Thanks, Deepak. We also have a question from the line of Robert Young at Canaccord Genuity. Please proceed. Hi, good morning. Um, I'm thinking of uh, Galaxy as a bit of a leading indicator for you know other investors. And your investing activities recently said you you know done a number of recent investments. Can you talk about I mean, what you're seeing out there in valuations and competition for the deals that you're going after? The investments you're making? Yeah, yeah. So most of the investments we've been most of the investments we've been making are are in the we'll call it the DeFi space. And there, you know, the 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 game there is to find the best teams with the best ideas and and to you know kind of fight hard to to get in at good valuation. Um, you know, we made an investment in a company called One Inch. Uh, we made an investment in a company called. Um, Luna in Korea that and you know what's interesting about the way tokens work right Bitcoin is the store of value and it's it's valuable because it's valuable uh, and Ethereum has this you know potential to be the oil or the, the gasoline of, of, of the that powers this whole ecosystem but the cool thing about a lot of the DeFi projects is they trade more like equities they're almost a dividend and so you can look at as this business grows, there's going to be some dividend which is decided by the community, uh, and you can kind of, you know, discount cash flow. And I think you're going to see more and more people, uh, traditional investors, attracted once once these companies become of scale uh, to the space because it's a little easier to intuitively figure out. And so we're making small investments uh, uh, in and around the space. You know, these are early venture investments that you know, if you're lucky, they're Six to one, eight to one, ten to one, fifty to ones, um, and you know what ends up happening is as they mature, hopefully then you become a participant in in their part of the ecosystem. So staking coins on their on their system, or uh, lending money into their system, or buying insurance from their system, and so I think it really becomes a symbiotic uh, ecosystem in time. Uh, but that's that's kind of where our that investment dollars have gone. Uh, other than that, we we continue to have a you know a large cryptocurrency position that is you know I used to trade it pretty actively. I I I really believe that we're in a structural shift here, and that you know the the crypto guys call it hodling, hold on for dear life, just not trading as much and w watching the appreciation. And so I think we'll probably just hold on to our Bitcoin position, if not at at times, uh, it, just because we're seeing so much demand for it. Right, right, and that um, that demand. Uh, how is the um, 
how's the investment banking pipeline looking now versus say three or six months ago? It just especially in context with the strong new hires have made. I think you said you could get profitable in that business this year. Um, does that imply that there's a really good pipeline? Yeah, you know yeah, there. So, oh, sorry, go Mike. I'll follow. Oh, go ahead, Chris. You got it. You got yeah, it. No, I, yeah, yeah. No, I was gonna say the. Um, um, you know, we, we we anticipated having having um, uh, a little bit of a of, of a kink in, in in our pipeline because we we transitioned Ian Ian out and we brought Michael on. Um, that was that was our anticipation. The re the reality is uh, is actually the, the pipeline has stayed constant and has and has grown because the the existing team that's there um, has built up a lot of domain expertise and it's it's at right at the right time when um, there is. There is a significant amount of of both consolidation in, internally within the industry, as well as external interest to look into the industry for uh, potential acquisitions. So, um, when we think about our pipeline, it, it's the, the focus of the business today right now is is, is on M and A. Um, that that's that's where the biggest opportunity is. Um, uh, we we hope to and we expect to see the capital markets. Uh, side of the business uh, um, start to expand, but it's still young and early in the in the capital markets days for for crypto. Um, and so, you know, there, we, there, there, we, we said this in the past, I'll say again, that there were two crypto IPOs, IPOs historically, we were a part of both of them. Um, we may see some more coming next year, um, but it, it's young on that side of the business. So, so think about it as a, as a corporate advisory and M&A, M&A environment and, uh, and um, the expertise we've developed uh, there has has started position us quite well, we think. That's great. And maybe one last question for me, I'll pass the line. Um the, the acquisitions you made I think suggested they're maybe as much aqua hire as they are to get um you know trading volume. Any sense of the the share that you have now um in this market as, as it's I think you said inflecting or growing? And then I'll pass the line. Thanks. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So um on the on the um, now with the addition of of, of, um, of Bluefire, uh, we we expect we will we will be we we will start off as and then expand and be a top five uh, top five market maker and participant on on almost all the, the biggest global uh, cryptocurrency exchanges, um, uh, and 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 our, our share there should expand should expand quite dramatically as we as we put more of our balance sheet behind Andrew and the Bluefire team's efforts. Um, Sort of right out of the gates. Um, the our OTC business today, um, you know, I I there's, there's not a ton of industry data on, on this. Our, our volumes, as we said, sort of you know grew almost 30% quarter over quarter um, uh, in a in a time when the industry industry volumes actually um, were flat to slightly down. So our our share of the of the OTC market is is we think is clearly growing. Um, but really, what we see what we see is all white space in terms of um, in terms of of capturing white space that, that isn't really share taking today, which going forward is going to be on onboarding clients and providing uh, different kind of trade financing and margin-based financing and prime brokerage services. And so that's largely been been held just in custody to date. And, and we think it's going to expand up the stack beyond custody pretty quickly. Um, and that's kind of right where our sweet spot is. And so that, that's why the, the addition of these teams helps us to, to, to be in a position to meet that demand and do it at, 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 Efficient and low cost, which is the, which is the, the the key that we think we need to be able to offer to clients to really uh, to really make it the best place to trade. 
Right. Very exciting. Thanks for the color, gentlemen. We now have a follow-up question from Deepak with Stifo. Please proceed. Thanks, guys. Um, thanks for taking my follow-ups. Um, Chris, just on the, on the last comment there on the OTC volumes. So the volumes are going up. Your market share is presumably going up, or you're grabbing more of that white space. What are you seeing in terms of trends and spreads and commissions? And can you give us a sense of, you know, a target ROE versus, versus um, you know, what you achieved a year ago, perhaps? Yeah, yeah. So hard on the target ROE side because the business is still scaling, right? So, you know, it's, it's uh, certainly on, on a, on a, on a trade, on a trade level, we're profitable um, on a, on a business level um, we're, we're scaling into profitability, um, which, which Mike pointed out and, and, it, and is clear. Um, the, the, the OTC business sort of margin profitability wise has been pretty consistent now for the last, the last 18 months. Um, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a thin business in the largest, most liquid cryptocurrency Bitcoin. And it gets, and it gets thicker as, as the market gets less, uh, there's less liquidity and assets are more esoteric. Um, but, but really, really like the, the OTC business for us is, is an important bedrock in the business. It's something that, that we think will always be demanded, uh, and is something that where we can, on a one-off basis, provide a big, provide big block trade liquidity for our biggest and best clients. That's 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 where the business was historically, um, where where we where we want the business, where we will drive the business to go, and we think is the most interesting, both for us as well as market participants. Um, it provides higher margin opportunities for us. Is going to be in this concept of um, of single dealer access to a variety, a suite of products that include. Uh, much more capital efficient trading through financing, um, as well as different uh, structured products and different esoterics sort of around around the spot. And we're starting to see a real pickup in demand and interest level uh, in in all those in all those things. And it's on us to really really hone our our productization of that uh, in, in in a way that we can roll out scalable to the market. So um, so. It's 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 a it's a it's a growing scaling business for us today, but but really the go forward, our expectation is that the the amount of volume horizontally and vertically across different products and the and the margin capture for us is going to expand all at the same time, right? As the platform grows, that's the that's the trajectory that we have slated for the business. Okay, and I got two more if I may. I just want can you can you offer a bit more clarity on the mining strategy? You know, you had some investments in miners in the past, and then you kind of shifted the narrative to, to be more of an advisory focus on, on the mining industry in terms of mm -hmm. M&A and financing, um, and you brought somebody new on board. What's the go-forward strategy here for mining? Yeah, yeah, so the, um, the, our, 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 our new sort of, our constituted, reconstituted mining group specifically is meant to be a, an industry industry vertical that, that, that stretches then horizontally across everything we're doing at the firm. And so that, that group, that group will, will, will themselves, um, uh, we, we will actually do some proprietary mining ourselves um, because, because, you know, and this all came out of the advisory groups work in, in laying out all the players in the space, where all, where all the hash rate was, what the levelized cost of production could be and should be and sort of, Really thinking through the economics of Bitcoin mining, um, we think it's a, it's actually a great uh, uh, a great time to be in the Bitcoin mining uh, space right now. And so so you'll 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 actually see that group um, 
procure hardware uh, for ourselves um, as a as a as a as a base investment into the business, and then um, and then from there, um, the the idea would be is going to be for us to sort of peruse that access to equipment and the relationships with equipment providers to then provide different kind of leasing and financing um, uh, opportunities to uh, to people who want to want to get into the mining business themselves. Um, and so, uh, you know, we, we've, we've internally dubbed the name uh, MiFi, um, Mining Finance. Um, and so that'll be a core component of that group. But that group's responsibility is also still to to uh, to provide to maintain coverage of um, of the biggest uh, and, and most interesting mining participants across the space and make sure that where we can be helpful, whether it's with our trading desk in terms of um, coin liquidation or hedging strategies, um, whether it's in our financing teams or more bespoke, you know, like historically our HUD-8 style financing that we did, um, or in the investment banking group, if there is a capital raising opportunity or an, an acquisition opportunity or a project financing opportunity to make sure that uh, those relationships get slotted into the, the experts within our different businesses so that we're capitalizing on the whole space. So that's the, that's the, that's the, the task that, that Amanda and team now have in front of them. And we're, we're, we're super excited about it because, because uh, we think it's, it's a, uh, the, the space is rife for, um, for new investments uh, in a, in an organized and professional way. And the economics are there. Interesting. I mean, it's pretty capital intensive. Have you got a number that you want to invest in in terms of capital equipment? Um, uh, we're debating it now internally. Um, uh, uh, Amanda and team have a number, that's for sure. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, look, it, it, it'll depend. We're, we're definitely going to allocate some ba some balance to it. Part some part of the the pipe proceeds is going to go is going to go towards uh, towards that first first investment into the business. Um, it, it, it's it's not going to be you know it's going to be all the pipe financing, but it'll be a, it'll be a, a, a small amount of it. And then and then from there we'll see how the market demand develops for for different financing products and that will determine sort of how much how much capital uh we ultimately put into the into the business right my expectation Got is it. that it'll be it'll be a it'll be a very interesting place to be investing capital for the next for the next year at least for sure Got it. and my last question for for mike or you is on the m a side like do you think the you know there's been anticipation of a consolidation in the industry um you know, for, for a lot of the players that, you know, started up or grew through the 2017 post period. Have we broken the logjam there? Is that going to start to accelerate? You guys are acquiring, do we expect more consolidation? And then I'll pass on Thanks again. There's going to be more consolidation. I think you're going to see consolidation within the crypto community, crypto to crypto companies, and you're going to see the tech companies looking to acquire domain expertise. I mean, it's not lost on, it shouldn't be lost on you that, you know, PayPal, uh, which is a giant tech company, uh, ended up hiring a, a crypto company to help them implement their their crypto strategy, right? Because there's just domain expertise that they, they need to either build or buy, and it's going to be quicker for a lot of these tech companies who are all going to rush into this space. I mean, the one thing that is clear to me is that every single company that wants to be in the financial services market is going to need blockchain and crypto expertise. And so... You know, building up that domain expertise is, is going to work a whole lot, and you're going to see that happen in the, the M&A space. Okay, great. Thanks again for taking all my questions. I appreciate all of your time today. Yep. Thank you. We will now turn to online questions.
Yes, thanks. We are getting a lot of good questions. Uh, let me turn to the first one. Uh, first question we have, Bitcoin is on a tear and is now above uh, 16,000. Uh, where, where does it go from here? You know, I, I said this in my earlier remarks. I think uh, the first obvious stop is 20,000 on the old highs. Uh, my kids are laughing because I tweeted that I would get a tattoo of the moon on my shoulder. And so maybe that happens before, uh, before January of next year. Uh, you know, listen, when markets are breaking out and moving like they are, you don't know exactly where they take their first pause. But 20,000 is, is definitely the next uh, checkpoint. Like I said earlier, I do think you know Bitcoin at sixty thousand is ten percent of gold, and that's a that's a good next stopping point. Is that eighteen months? Probably it's eighteen months, twelve months, eighteen months. Um, but when people used to make those predictions, I would say that's kind of a wacko prediction. What can they hang it on? And now I think these are really rational predictions. Ten percent of gold doesn't seem that far of a stretch. Um, and I think once you get there, you'll probably be readjusting it up over over the next, you know, two, three, five, ten years. And so I really believe we've, we've crossed this adoption hurdle. And now it's just a question of, you know, more and more adoption as, as this kind of goes viral, right? It's the network effect. I think the most important thing to watch in some ways is just, you know, how much crypto is being bought on PayPal every day. Uh, you know, it's, right now it looks like it's 10 to 12 to $13 million a day. And as that accelerates, you know, and you're see it, seeing seeing being bought on the Square app, and you're going to see it bought in funds like ours and, and in other funds. Uh, it's getting put away. There's only 21 million Bitcoin. There will only be ever 21 million Bitcoin, and it's a scarce asset. And so when demand exceeds supply, because supply is roughly uh, getting so, soaked up so quickly, prices go higher. All right, next question. Uh, what do you make of the volatility and valuation in DeFi? Is this a repeat of the ICO boom in 2017? You know, we, we had a, what I call a tempest in a teapot. Uh, the idea is so powerful. The idea of DeFi is so powerful that people got wildly excited about it in a short period of time. There was some, you know, hype. There were some bad projects. Uh, and and we saw what, what I would call a mini you know, speculative two-month up-down bubble. And I think you, you don't want to lose track over the, the broader trend. DeFi is in the first inning. Uh, there are some amazing projects that are going to be built. And in two and three and four years' time, uh, we're not even going to call it DeFi. Like I said, we're going to call it FinTech. Uh, and so I think you got to keep your eye there. you got to be investing there. Uh, you know, certainly there'll be more kind of trading opportunities when things get overhyped. Uh, but I wouldn't let the volatility scare. I'm, I'm certainly not letting it scare me away, uh, and, or scare Galaxy away. I think we're going to make a, a, a big commitment in that space, and think it's uh, it's part of the future. All right, our uh, next and final question. Uh, there are a number of corporations who have indicated they will move partially from cash to Bitcoin. Uh, what is your expectation of how fast treasurers uh, will move to adopt Bitcoin? You know, my, my favorite TED talk is this one about a, a guy dancing on a street, uh, on a hill, a green hill with the grass, and he's dancing like a complete lunatic. And everyone's looking at him. They're probably 
75 people sitting on the hill having a picnic and looking at this maniac. And then all of a sudden, a second guy goes up and starts dancing with them. And then a third, and then a fourth, and then you know, the whole hill's dancing like maniacs. And you know, it always says a movement is started by the second guy or the third guy. And we're seeing that, right? You saw you know, Michael Saylor with his company, and then Square. Uh, we don't get credit. We were the first company to actually have a lot of Bitcoin on our balance sheet. Uh, but we're a crypto company, so people expected it. I think there are probably companies that we haven't heard of that already have it, certainly private companies. But I think it's going to become a trend. Uh, I'm really watching for the, the next big one because I think once you get to three, you're going to get to ten real quick. Uh, and so I do think something to keep your eye on, and I think it's going to happen. Thanks. Those yeah, are our questions for today. Yeah. Guys, I just want to you know awesome. finish up and saying uh, I certainly hope everybody heard uh, my enthusiasm. Uh, it is. It is heartfelt and, and, and thoughtful. Uh, we're seeing great things in this space. We couldn't be more uh, excited about the opportunity set. We're working, uh, we're working our tails off over here. And uh, look forward to next quarter's call. Hopefully we'll have uh, more exciting news. And uh, stay long. Thank you. This does conclude today's conference. You may disconnect your lines at this time. And thank you for your participation. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.